Characteristics of the Wall, an excerpt from Journey of the Soul by Drs. Christie and Bill Gaultier. We were going along well on the Psalm 23 path till we came to the ravine as dark as death. The cheerful green pastures have gone brown. The still waters have dried up. Frost has wilted our flowers. What was fruitful in our service to God has become barren. What had been working in our prayer life now fails us. It's like the Jews losing their temple and being left with only the wailing wall where they tuck prayer notes in the cracks between the stones. At the wall, exhaustion, pain, grief, unanswered questions, doubt, discouragement, aloneness, or spiritual dryness seem to block our way to God. In this dark trough of desolation, we often judge ourselves and feel shame. Instead, we can find comfort and courage by taking hold of the word affirming God's unseen presence. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. We need to keep renewing our hope that our shepherd is leading us through the dark valley. Indeed, he will bring us into the blessings of feasting at his table in the highlands, receiving his anointing and drinking from an overflowing cup. Then we will know that we have been pursued by his goodness and love all the days of our life. All the days of our life. Sometimes the story we tell ourselves is not really true. Sometimes the story others tell about us is not really true. Here on today's Heart Lift with Janelle, we are going to learn how to rewrite our story. So pick up your favorite pen and journal, grab a cup of something delicious, and start your heart-lifting journey towards living a meaningful life. Welcome to today's Heartlift with Janelle. I'm Janelle, your host for today's conversation, and I just couldn't be happier than I am right at this moment to welcome to this season's podcast series, Becoming Stronger Every Day. And this month, March, if you're listening in March, March is uh, International Women's History Month, and March 8th. This is the week this podcast will be airing is International Women's Day. And I just couldn't think of a better person to have with us uh, during this fabulous week of celebrating women, women in leadership, women in ministry, women in the world of counseling and therapy than Dr. Christy Galtier. And I just want to welcome you to the podcast. Thank you. It is my joy and my honor, Janelle, to be with you and those of you here at the Heartlift Podcast. Thank you. I think your very nature, I'm getting very emotional. So I'm like, you're so sweet and tender and I can just feel the beauty and the power just even coming through. I get the privilege of seeing Christy through the screen. And if you're going to be watching on YouTube, you will see how how lovely her presence is. And I'm I'm very empathic and intuitive and I think that you just feel safe and it's so lovely to have you here with us for such a time as this. 
Christy has been counseling and ministering to people for 30 years. Hard to believe. Is that hard to believe? Yes, it is hard to believe. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Christy is a marriage and family therapist, oh, straight after my heart, who has also served in private practice and church ministry. Together with her husband, Bill, Christy founded Soul Shepherding. Do not love that name a nonprofit ministry to help believers discover their next steps for growing in intimacy with Jesus, emotional health, and you know that's my passion, and loving relationships. And Bill and Christy live in the state where I was born, California. And in their new book, Journey of the Soul, which I just read an excerpt, A Practical Guide to Emotional and Spiritual Growth, and Bill and Christy are fellow Ravel authors, Baker Bookhouse, big shout out there. Bill and Christy Galtier, both doctors of psychology and founders, like I said, of soul shepherding, draw on more than 70,000 hours of providing therapy and spiritual direction to show readers how to identify their current state of faith and the next steps to take based on their unique needs and struggles. With scripture, lots of self-assessments. This book is filled with such beautiful charts and maps and uh, practical ways of moving through your relationship with Jesus. That's why I love it so much. It's also going to be like your treasured companion, no matter how long you've been following Jesus. So throughout the entire book, Bill and Christy use characters in the Bible, church history, and personal stories to illustrate the six stages of faith. So just lean in here for a second before we get going, because the six stages of faith, which they call Christ stages, so C-H-R-I-S-T, six stages, and Christy will be sharing about these six stages. She'll give us a big overview, and then hopefully we can weave throughout the podcast uh, all six of those. There will be show notes as well, so don't feel like you, you have to feverishly take notes during this podcast, because I know you're going to want to, because I know you guys, you're going to want to take some notes. Christy and Bill provide practical steps to help readers grow emotionally and spiritually. Well, you know, that is our language here in the Stronger Everyday community. We love the threefold cord of emotional health and spiritual authenticity. So that's healthy sense of self, healthy behavior patterns, and healthy communication skills. And so, yeah, that's just, we... We're really on the same page, but I just love all of the experience that you have as well, because I know, I know how stringent it is to do this work. So Christy, I would love to just have you share with all of us what prompted you. Now, this book is co-authored, your co-founder of the work you do. So you co-everything, you and Bill, but today we have you all to ourselves. That's right. And I'm kind of happy about that, just having you here. And so I would just maybe, I mean, you can say what prompted you and Bill, but maybe just what prompted you too to co-author this book with your husband. That's not an easy task. It's not an easy task to work, live, do everything. <laughs> no, it's not. And yet, you know, this... Uh, this understanding of this model has been so helpful to Bill and I personally encouraging us and helping us in our own journey of following Jesus and, and pressing through those periods of just desolation and and Mm -hmm. trials and testing and difficulties and, and remaining faithful and continuing Mm -hmm. to let the Lord expand our soul and to grow us and form us more in his image 
And then also just in the work that we do, journeying with people, we're so privileged to journey intimately with people on their journeys. And we just kept wanting, wishing we could impart to them more of what God had shared with us and taught us. And I am not a writer. Bill's the writer. He loves to write. I like to talk. I like to be yes. in God. I like to sit at a computer. And he asked me to co-author this book with him. It was really just an act of obedience and, mm-hmm. and love for God and neighbor to be faithful with what God has entrusted to me. And it was good because it was a learning that challenged me to have to reach a little bit more to find an articulation and to risk and to be a little bit more publicly vulnerable with oh, my yeah. story and love yeah. for others. It was definitely many times in the difficulties of it, I would continue to say, okay, Lord, I am just showing up in trust and love and obedience to you. And what you do with this book isn't any of my business. Now it's in your hands. Yeah, that surrender is really hard though. And especially, I I love what you said about uh, soul expansion and a a huge part of the work that I love to do and in my own life is to have my capacity levels always stretched. Mm. Right. I mean, the word capacity means, you know, the maximum amount of something that you could hold something or someone, you know, it's like maximum amount. I'm always saying I definitely haven't maxed out. And that's the beautiful thing about God is that it's ever increasing, ever enlarging. And it's hard. And I think just listening to you, the undercurrents of the six stages of faith could be very much the six stages of writing a book for you of, of risking and it being hard in the periods of desolation. So thank you for being faithful because it is good. It's really good. I know God stood back and went, this book is good. No, well, thank very you. good. It's I love so it. Fun now to get to share about it with it you. It is so fun. It's so fun. So briefly describe for us before we dive into some other I told Christy this before we got started, guys, this, this book is so packed and you know, I love packed and I love to unpack. We couldn't do all of it in this, this little episode. So we may have to see if we can maybe have some more down the road, but for today, I had to kind of center in on something, one area that I thought we would be really, it would really be timely for us here in our community So could you just briefly describe, Christy, these six stages, and I love that you have stages, uh, the six Christ stages of faith. Yes. Well, you know, we all go through our own development, certainly physically, emotionally, and spiritually as well. And so these stages are developmental stages of our growth in Christ. And so the first stage is the C stage. And we are using the acronym of Christ for a couple of reasons. One is because as Christians, we are followers of Jesus Mm -hmm. and he is our our source of Christ. And he's also our our master. Holy Spirit is the master spiritual director who is guiding us through these stages of growth. So we, we wanted to use the name Christ for that reason. And also because it's the acronym, it really helps us to remember these stages. And we found that understanding these stages really help us in our own understanding of our own journey, definitely. But it also helps us to be kind of a trail angel for others that we're journeying with and being able to kind of identify and understand what stage they're in. And that enables us to be able to better participate with Jesus and his love for them and, and also to have empathy for them and what they're experiencing 
because some of the stages have different experiences. So the C stage is for confidence in Christ. It's when we're first learning to put our confidence in, in the Lord and to trust him. And then the second stage is help and discipleship because we've committed our lives to Christ, but then we're really needing some help. Well, what does this even mean to be a Christ follower in the scripture? What, how do I read this Bible? I mean, this this (laughs) is is not an easy thing to understand and we need some help and some understanding and prayer. Okay. I'm, I'm beginning now to learn some of God's commands and instructions, but I'm not sure how to do them. And so we need some people that are seasoned in that and can be a guide to us in that and can help us understand the fruit that will come from us as we, we press in to learn these things. And then we also move into responsibilities and ministry, which is the third stage, the R stage. And this is where we begin to understand that God has given us some great gifts that we can uh, use that will bless him and bless others. And we, we begin to take great joy in that because as we begin to discover our gifts, we begin to realize that we're in a whole family of God and we all have different gifts that when we put them together, we can make a way bigger impact. And we learn we're a part yes. of something so much bigger than just our own life. And there's a joy in that. Mm -hmm. And then usually sometime after we've been in these first three stages for a while, we will hit what's not a stage, but it's kind of a pivot point. And that is the wall, which is what we're talking about. That big, big, big looming wall. (laughs) And not everybody presses through and passes through the wall to the second half of the Christ stages because it's difficult. It's challenging. And it, and it takes great, it calls for more faith from us and it calls for us being willing to lean into suffering. And so, but if we do that, then we can push into the inner journey, which is the I. Yes. Yes. This is where I got real excited because you do inner journey work. I know I do inner journey work. So I was like, oh yes. Okay. Inner journey. I. (laughs) Hi. <laughs> right, so the inner journey is where we are letting the Lord kind of uncover some of the deeper aspects of our soul that we've been repressing. We're, we're bringing up and getting more emotionally honest with ourselves and with God. We're letting him reveal some things that he wants to bring healing mm-hmm. to in our lives. Yeah. And we're cooperating with that. And we're pushing away some of the distractions that before we were using some of the defense mechanisms before that we were relying on mm-hmm. to go deeper. This is what we're giving God more access into the soil of our soul to, to uproot some things that don't belong there, to reveal where there is some sin that we've been covering, denying and hiding in, some shame that's taken mm-hmm. root in, in a parasite there, this draining and sapping our fruitfulness. Yeah. Well, I and like then, to think of shame as a parasite. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is. Mm-hmm. So as we do our inner journey work and we begin to participate with the very work that you're leading this community and this community is finding you because they need a guidance in. Mm. Then we move into, and we learn a new way of partnering in ministry. And this is spirit led ministry. That's us. Mm -hmm. And here we have learned that it's not the busyness of responsibility in ministry where we're, we're working hard for God, but in spirit led ministry, we're working with God, depending upon his spirit. And we've learned to trust him and not ourselves and not rely on our own gifting and our own flesh, but we've learned to rely on the spirit and to be guided by the spirit. And instead of in the R stage, in the first three stages, we can get, we can get a little ego attached. Yeah. Do you think? I love this. You know, I'm really having a hard time not, not commenting here. (laughs) So good. (laughs) But in the S stage, we've learned to lay that down and we've learned to surrender and we've learned to let go and to 
really let the Lord and rely upon him and, and seek him. And we've learned some disciplines like secrecy and doing it for the joy of our intimacy with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And then the last stage is the T stage. And this is transforming union. And here we call that that because at this point, it's like we are, are fully committed. We're fully married to God. Our, you can't find our identity apart from God. There's such intimacy, such lifelong commitment mm-hmm. now here from being so seasoned on our journey and by going and experiencing so many times of desolation and suffering and difficulty and temptation and persevering through and yes. continuing to let the Lord's love and grace expand our soul's ability to contain Mm. it and also overflow it. Mm -hmm. I've seen so many, 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 and myself included here. I'm always talking about myself too, including in this, you know, it's so many get run into the wall and that's it, you know, and I just kept thinking about the wall today as we were preparing for our conversation. And I, You know, I kept thinking of David, he writes in the Psalms, how he leapt over a wall, you know, and I thought this conversation today is going to empower all of us, but particularly those who may be at that wall right now for one reason or the other, which we'll talk about in a minute. But today I'm hoping it's like a springboard, like a gymnast who runs, 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 and then springs on that thing to do her vault you know, I hope it's like that springboard that will help many, many get over that wall today and really enter into the freedom that's waiting on the other side of the wall. And that's where I see so many get close. They're just right there. And then they just, they can't, they can't, they can't make it. They don't get the leap over. I'm in the business of helping people leap, leap over walls. And I know you are too. Thank you for that. We all need that oh. encouragement and that role model and that vision of all the other things God has for us. And we're side. there. You and I, we're like, God, you got this. You've got this. You know, we're going to put a springboard there and at least yes. offer the opportunity yes. for those who feel stuck on the wall or by the wall or hit by the wall. However, they're going to be able to springboard and get over that wall today and enter the inner journey and enter into the beautiful freedom that that part of the stages of growth bring mm-hmm. to us. I just wondered before I dive into that transition through the wall of chapter six that I'm just so, so good since writing journey of the soul, which I love you guys call it jots (laughs) journey of the soul. It's so fun. Our world is now in a global pandemic. So Christy, I know that I know you understand the gravity of the situation that we're in, but the mental gravity and probably as we're hearing now, because we're in the month of where this is a year, this is an anniversary. Well, uh, that's what we call it. It's whatever it is. We're here at a year. And so now there's a lot more talk about the mental health effect of this pandemic as we are trying to transition back into a new normal So in light of this, how did your own faith particularly, was that affected through all the research and study and writing that you did as you sat in obedience to pen the words of this book? What do you, how do you think that prepared you personally? And maybe how could it benefit us to peek into your journey with that? Thank you. You know, I think as we were writing the book, one of the things that maybe prepared me was just revisiting again, what a precious gift it is that God has created us Mm. with a soul that he then 
asks us to steward. We're responsible to steward that. And that's a big responsibility. And that was part of the heart of us in wanting to write this book is because these are things that have helped us to steward that and to remember that we actually have an enemy. And that enemy brings temptation to us. Whatever stage you're in, the temptation might look a little bit different, but there is a real temptation and we have a choice there of if we are going to give in or, or if we're going to lean in to God and, and his grace and press through that trial, that testing and temptation. And so I think just having been immersed in thinking about this and articulating it before the pandemic hit, because we'd finished our transcript at that yes, point. Me too. <laughs> it was fresh for me in terms of just celebrating my story and God's story and what God had done through the trials, mm. through the desolations, through the difficulties. And at that point, upon reflecting upon my own journey and putting that in, you know, in a way that others reading the book could see my map of my journey with Jesus, I was at a place of just being able to praise God for the way he redeems the difficult, the suffering, the trials that when you're there, you can't imagine how they could possibly no. ever be redeemable. When you're at the wall, when you're in desolation, God, it feels like you're abandoned, but oh, being able to look back and, and see that, oh no, you were with me in that dark valley. And so in the dark valley now of the pandemic and all the grief that's gone with that, all the loss, all the ways that, you know, we had great ministry plans and then the pandemic yes. was like, Lord, we've, we've worked so hard on these ones. We've invested so much. Now what? It feels like they're yes. out, you know, our loss. That's a desolation for us. That's yes. a wall. How do we do ministry in a new way? Having to learn the new yes. technologies and lean into those. And they're not life-giving. They're draining. They're soul yeah, they draining. Are. They are mentally how, draining for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so how do I, how do I find in Christ what I need mm-hmm. you know, to, to persevere in the dark valley, but to be faithful and, and to receive the grace that he has for us in that. And thankfully, uh, you know, this was a lot of what we were talking about. And so it was very fresh in our mind. And so leaning into it and realizing mm-hmm. there's opportunities here for God's grace to lean into. Mm-hmm. And some of those are in how am I going to use all of the things that have been canceled, that time that's been canceled. Am I going to use it to just numb out, numb my emotions and my grief? Or am I going to use it as an opportunity to really press in close to Jesus with with intimacy with him? Am I going to use this as an opportunity, the space that is created to rest? Or am I going to fill it with things that that don't matter, um, that might feel like a false consolation, but really are not a true consolation to my soul? Yeah, to lean into that inner journey that that you and Bill write so beautifully about in those last three stages, starting the inner journey starts with that I. I don't have this planned, but this is always what I want is for the spirit to show up and lead and guide. But you have said several times today already about leaning in. And my audience, my friends here, my heart lifters, they know I'm always like, here's our lean in moment. This is our lean in moment. And so I would just like to ask you, and then I'll share a little story about what, what is that? Like maybe someone listening is in the C stage. They're brand new in the six stages of their growth in Christ. And so to them, what does it look like or feel like, Christy, to you to lean in? What does that look like? I think that's such a powerful, powerful picture. 
Yeah, to lean into the discomfort and God, trust that God's with you in that and to lean in in faith to whatever stage you're in. Yeah. And so I think, you know, you asked about what about somebody listening that's in the C stage? What does it look like to lean in? Well, I think in the C stage, it looks into leaning in to find connection with other Christians, even in the midst of the isolation that the enemy is trying to bring, not letting him isolate you, not letting him make you lose connection with your church and with the other followers of Jesus who you desperately need at this time. It also is in the C stage. The temptation there is we're torn really between two worlds, our new world that we've discovered in the church and our life in Christ and the old world of our life and our flesh. And oftentimes we have relationships still from our old life where we feel a lot of temptation or maybe we we look very different than we do when we're with the Christian people. And so one of the things of leaning in would be maybe setting some boundaries with some of the old habits in our life and our our old relationships and pressing in more to some of those new habits and community with those that are in our church circle and who are ambassadors of Christ to us. That's so good. So good. I just really wanted to just pause here and really paint that picture of leaning in. I have a really practical, personal understanding of learning to lean in. And I, I think it's appropriate for today. It's not in your book or mine, but it's certainly on the journey. My children, I have twins, boy and a girl, and the year they graduated from high school, my our older daughter graduated from college. So we had, and I graduated with my master's. So I went back mm-hmm. in my 50s. So we had one big old graduation party in the summer after the May of all the graduations. And it was just so much fun to celebrate everybody's growth. Mm-hmm. And my brother at that time, he's about eight and a half years older than me. So in life, we hadn't been quite so close, but During this time, we were really getting to know each other, probably for the first time, and it was really lovely and beautiful and healing. And I've never shared the story, so I thought I would share it. And so the graduation party was jam-packed. I had been cooking and baking and doing all that stuff, as you know. And so everything was set. People were here. It was pre-COVID. It was lovely. Everybody's talking and no masks. And all of a sudden, the soccer team walks in, right? (laughs) all the boys. And within five minutes, maybe six and a half, the food supply is gone. (laughs) I was like, whoops, didn't know they'd all show up. And they did. And so my brother was helping me and he came into the dining room and he flipped the, the dish towel over his shoulder and he could see my face like, Oh no, (laughs) I don't have any more food. (laughs) And so he just came in and he nonchalantly put his arm around me, around my shoulder and hugged me real close in. And he kissed my head and he just went, he calls me T. It's a short little nickname. And he went, T, I got this. Mm. You go do what you do best. You go out there and talk to everybody and make them feel welcome and do what you do best. I got this. I don't want you to worry about it. That's beautiful. And I was stunned. I grew up with an alcoholic father, a very absent father. So for me, I guess that's why I'm leaning in to want to dwell on this just for a second, Christy, because I feel like to me at that moment, and I had been, I, I probably was in the S stage at that point, like fifth stages. I, you know, I'd been walking with Jesus a very long time. But that was the moment I got it, that I went, oh, 
this is what it feels like to lean on someone I can trust, Mm -hmm. someone who's got my back. Mm -hmm. I don't have to do this all by myself. And I think that, you know, I had a husband who's awesome, who did all those things and people in my life, but the fact that it was my brother, probably, you know, a good male figure who represents a father Mm -hmm. image to me in a sense that I have a heavenly father and I can have confidence in him and I can lean on him and realize he's got my back. So good. What a great example of that, how you were able to receive your brother's empathy for you in this trial and this temptation and this difficulty. And you were able to receive strength from his presence there with you coming and putting his arm around you, showing you that he's with you Mm -hmm. and that you're not alone. You can depend upon him. You can trust him. You can be who you are created to be. And he was such an ambassador of Christ there. He was. And that's exactly what at every stage, whatever stage we're in, Jesus is there for us with empathy. He was human. He experienced every temptation that we experience and he knows what it's like and he is strong enough. His grace is enough for us. If we, if we go to him, we can cry on his shoulders. We can lean in and trust his strength and sufficiency. I had no idea. I know. And I did want to weep. I did. I was like, then I was like, get it together, you know, cause I'm, I'm the baby. So I'm eight and a half, seven and a half years younger than my siblings. So really like an only child. So they were basically gone by the time I was at a fifth grade. And so I think that somebody needs to hear that today, because even during this pandemic, I think that that moment for me is one that changed my life. I will never forget that moment. And I, even during this pandemic season, I can see God flipping the dish towel over his (laughs) shoulder, putting his arm around me, letting me just take an exhale. Mm -hmm. Like I've got this. So please hear that today, heart lifters. Christ has your heart. And Christy and I are here as ambassadors today of Christ to put our arms around you, flip that dish towel over our shoulder and say, we got you. We got you. Okay, Christy, thank you for letting me just have that. I think that was just so powerful. And I love that you just kept saying that and saying that. So I was so struck. Christy, by chapter six, transition. Happens to be one of my favorite subjects. I don't know why. Through the Wall is the name of that chapter. And how incredibly relevant this is to the emotional effect of this global pandemic on all of us. We are tired, exhausted, disoriented, confused. And even though it has been from even myself a reprise of sorts to get into some deep work of my own, really tap into my introversion. <laughs> At the end of the day, it's disorienting. It is. And you were just sharing before we got on that you and Bill were doing an in-person event uh, this past weekend and online. It was a combined event, but this was, and I asked you, how was that? And you said, shared with me, like, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, it's, it's different because you, yeah. you're not able to connect and see the expressions on everyone's face. Yes. Everybody had masks on and they're sitting six feet apart and spaced out. And only 20% of the people were present at mm-hmm. all 
we're outdoors. And then the other 80% were online. And so really seeking to want to connect with people, both on camera watching at home and those that were there present. And I think the thing that I said was that it was a whole new opportunity for me to trust the sufficiency of Christ. That's what you said. To minister to each person. And you are so, I can, I mean, I just connected deeply. As I said in the beginning, I can just tell you're so relational. I'm so relational as well. And so this is very disorienting and very difficult. I'm learning a lot about just not hugging and (laughs) just (laughs) really valuing people's uh, parameters, I guess. But so many of us feel as if we have hit a wall. Can you share with us briefly the six types of walls that you write about in the book? And if you have the book with you, or if you're getting the book, it's on page 119. So I just wanted to, you can jot that down. So when you get the book, it's on page 119. And after you explain those six types of wall, just maybe lead us in that beautiful exercise, (laughs) Pathfinder for the wall. If you can't, I will, because I have the book sitting in front of me. That would be great. Good. Happy to. Yeah. Six types of walls that we might hit. First might be a burnout. This was the wall that I hit because as a therapist and spending so much time pouring into people and journeying with people, uh, I hit a a burnout that was a compassion fatigue Mm. where I found that I I wasn't able to continue to give at the level that I had been giving. Out of that, then I hit another wall, two walls kind of at once out of that was a faith crisis where I began to doubt Mm. God's goodness because I was just feeling so much empathy for people that were suffering so much. And it was causing me to start to doubt God's goodness and love. Mm. So those are two of the walls that you might hit. Another wall would be a, a burnout that's more maybe of a spiritual burnout where you have been burning out from too many spiritual disciplines, being overly eagle, depending upon yourself and, oh, and trying to, to actually this. earn yes. God's love. Oh, yes. And so then your Christian life, your life with God, it's lost it's lost any life and it just becomes dutiful and you're exhausted from it anymore. And and you're not, you're bringing people to the well, but you're not drinking. Mm. And then a third kind of wall can be a wall. That's a blowout, a moral blowout to where there's been this bifurcation between your Christian life and the rest of your life. And there's a huge sanctification gap between what you believe and profess and what you really believe and is acted out and comes out in your life. And living with these tensions has just gotten to the point where you just, your beliefs and your profession of belief isn't enough. It's not sustainable anymore. And so the sin takes over and you throw all those beliefs away and you give in to the temptation of sin and there's, there's a blowout in your life. Another kind of wall that we can hit is is a personal crisis can happen to us. A cancer can be a wall, some huge grief or devastation, a family crisis, a loss of of a loved one or a prodigal son or daughter, a prodigal child can bring us right to that wall and it might provoke a faith crisis or doubt and stir up doubt in God. Is any of this true? Or a sense of, I just can't do this anymore. I, I thought if I did a, then a plus B and, you know, trained up my kids in the way they should go, then they would follow to turn out and they haven't. And so I'm just done with it all. That right. that can be like Throw a in the towel. Right. In our, in our spiritual growth and our faith in God. And then another kind of wall can be the dark night of the soul. 
where it's this time where we are no longer finding consolation and able to feel the joy of God's presence anymore. Our spiritual disciplines and practices are feeling dry. Mm. We can't sense God's presence anymore. The temptation here is for us to feel like we've done something wrong, like we failed God, like he's left us, he's abandoned us. That's not the case in the dark night of the soul. The dark night of the soul is a time where we are learning to dig deeper, to access more of the faith that we haven't yet exercised, to develop more of our faith muscle, and to trust and to be able to learn to obey God, even when we don't feel consolation or we don't feel his presence, to be able to trust him even in the dark. Very good. So good, you guys. You have to get Journey of the Soul. It's so good by doctors Bill and Christy Galtier. And so, Christy, just quickly, when I was mentioning Pathfinder for the Wall, this is a beautiful exercise. And so if you have the book, when you get the book, it says for each statement below, circle T, if it's true of your current experience with God. I found this so very, very helpful I'm going to run through the eight statements. You can just do it with me in your head. For a while, I have not been feeling God's love like I used to. Christy, go ahead. Finish reading for me. You got them. I feel burned out on working hard at my job or ministry to others. Hmm. I'm stuck in my spiritual life like I've run into a wall. I used to be more certain in my faith, but now I have questions and doubts. I'm suffering with health or family problems, and it seems God's not helping me. I'm struggling to trust that God's purposes for me are good. My spiritual practices are not blessing me like they did before. If I pray quietly, I just feel all kinds of questions and distress. So if you circle three or more statements as true, you may be in a transition season at the wall. So for sure, you are going to want to get this beautiful book, Journey of the Soul, so that you can read how to move through this and move through with victory so you can actually leap over that wall that is in front of you. It's so, so important. And I wanted to lead to see if I could lead you, Christy, into helping us understand this two spiritualities that you write about in the latter stages of the Christ journey. If you could just share on that before we go, because it's so powerful and it really deeply affected me. Yeah. Well, this, this is helpful to understand because like we said, the wall is this pivot point and we understand yeah. that it can help us to embrace and to have a vision. We need a vision. Two things that lead to growth for us usually are either pain will push us to grow or a vision will draw us and pull us into new growth. And so understanding these Christ stages and and the two spiritualities in them can give us a vision to pull us so we don't have to be pushed by the pain. So the first half, we divide these two spiritualities into first half spirituality and second half spirituality. Very good. Good to know walls in the middle. So the first half is the CH and R stages. And these are where we're really, it's a foundation. It's so important. We can't start without this. We all need this start in our early formation in Christ. It's where we're developing our Christian identity. We're getting a sense of belonging, understanding of belonging, a purpose for God creating us. Our second half is where we're really learning that our relationship with Christ comes out of not just 
identity and belonging and purpose, but that it's, it's this intimate ongoing relationship. It's an interactive relationship for us that never ends. It's eternal, that we're spiritual beings with you know, great eternal purpose mm-hmm. with God. And that our early life here is, is training for that. And our cognitive development in the first half is more in the black and white categories. Our thinking is more dualistic here. And we're focused more on seeking decisions and results. Just show me the right way. And so that's where God's law is actually a great grace to us because we're learning right and wrong. We're learning about sin. We're learning about righteousness. These are really important foundational things for us to understand. Right. But then in the second half, we're ready to start understanding that not everything is black and white. And we begin to understand that there's some both ands, not oh. just black or white, either or right or love wrong. That. But there's some nuances here and, and that love trumps the hard and fast black and white dualistic thinking. And we're recognizing that the relationship with God and with people is more than just decisions and results, but the nurturing that relationship of love and loving God with all our hearts, little mind strength, loving our neighbor as ourselves, instead of sometimes in the early stages, we'll love, we'll love our neighbor instead of ourselves. Yes. Oh, ourselves. So good. Integration there that we get in the second half. And then there's some unique dangers in the first half because we're getting this, this training in truth, which we so need as a foundation, we can fall into judgmentalism Mm -hmm. and close-mindedness and even prejudice. And if we get stuck there, that can be devastating to our ability to love. But in the second half, we're recognizing that there's a danger too, where a lot of Christians will leave the church because the church is really critical in these foundational stages in the early stages of coming to faith and growing in our faith and then serving God. But in these second stages that are so relational growing in our intimacy with Jesus, sometimes we'll begin to, to not appreciate the church or diminish scripture because we become familiar with it. Uh, we think we know it all. And that's a real <laughs> us in the second. That's a very big danger. Yes. Of Christ that there's still so much for us to learn and that his body, the church is so valuable and precious and important that we still have a place there and that people in those earlier stages need us. And we have a lot to offer there. Mm -hmm. It's almost calling back, right? Just calling back and moving more into the guide role. Even you're still, we're always going to be guided ourselves by the spirit or guided by others who are a little farther along on the journey. I would think the pressing through the wall into those final three stages is more, we will become as well more of a guide and calling back like you and I are doing today and offering people a lift up over their wall. I don't know. I just had that thought. That's exactly right. I didn't mean to interrupt, but that was just so good. So so good. Yeah. Thank you, Janelle. Our values are changing in the first half and the second half. Our our first half values are focused very much on the law and tradition and rules and authority. We're finding a lot of security in that and security in God's blessings and security in our outward behavior. And we're growing and getting a sense of identity is significant sometimes in, in that too, in the gifts that God's given us and in being productive And then our values begin to shift a little bit more into the second half where we're valuing this freedom that God's given us. We're valuing his his abundant mercy and love that that is unconditional and that loves us even in our failures, even in our brokenness, even in our desolation. 
And then we're finding our security instead of in that identity and, and God's blessings, but we're finding our security in his presence yes. and in trusting his, his good and loving rule in our life, even if we don't understand it. And it's mm-hmm. not, it's not one of blessings sometimes it, it, the blessing is hidden from our yeah. eyes. At least it is a spiritual blessing, but it may not feel like it. Right. It's like you said before, I'm sorry. It's like you said before, we feel abandoned Mm -hmm. or perhaps um, invisible. I hear that word a lot in the lives of women, for sure, that we just feel invisible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. And it could stir up old abandonment wounds from our our childhood as well. And so there's an opportunity there to then a, a temptation that Satan brings in to tell you, see, God's not there. He's not real. You're only eligible for abandonment. You have no worth. Or we can push through those lies to really come to to understand and trust that that Jesus's words are true. He'll never leave us or forsake us. He's mm-hmm. with us even to the end of age. Yes. Did we walk through all of the? We didn't. We walked through half, but I don't need to get oh through. Oh my gosh! <laughs> oh goodness, that's crazy. I kind of want you to finish. <laughs> well, I can. Go <laughs> ahead, finish. In the first half of our our life, our emotional health is affected because we tend to minimize our emotions. We tend to be more reactive and we tend to be very defended, avoiding suffering in the first three stages. In the second three stages, we have learned that we can endure suffering and that God brings great fruit out of it and that it's actually necessary for our growth in Christ. And so we've learned to to give and receive empathy. We've had to receive the empathy from the Lord and ambassadors of him in our own suffering. And then we've learned to give that and to be an ambassador, a wounded healer for him Mm -hmm. and to learn from our suffering rather than discard it, throw it away. Wriggle out of it. And then our response to personal sin is different. In the first three stages, we'll tend to feel very guilty or we'll be repressed and, you know, not looking and denying our sin and be self-righteous. But in the second half of the stage, we've learned that there's so much grace for us in our sin. We've learned to we find our sin, not to resist it and deny it or, or to feel guilty, but we've learned instead to confess it. Mm. to be honest with God, to come clean and pure and to receive his forgiveness. And since we've done that so much, our response to other people's sin is more grace and forgiveness flows easily too. Our devotional styles are very different. (laughs) In the first stages are very much maybe Bible programs, prayer, concrete things. But later in the second half and of the stages, we're experiencing God living through his word and speaking between the lines of his words to us. We're learning instead of striving in prayer and being wordy and, and, and filling all the prayer time with our own words, we're learning to be quiet with the Lord and listen. Mm. And we're learning that prayer is conversational and actually what he says is so important. And prayer is our response to God. Yes. And then our source of ministry is very different. In the oh. first half, our source of ministry is relying really on our personal gifts, a lot of dependence on our flesh, which is good. God's given us great gifts and our own knowledge. But in the second half, it's more dependent upon the presence of the Holy Spirit within us. Mm-hmm. We're moving in step and in flow, trusting the Holy Spirit and not our gifts, not our own knowledge. Right. We kind of get out of the way, mm-hmm. maybe say it that way. Yeah kind of understand that it isn't like you said before that we're actually working for God we're actually working with because there's there's no other way (laughs) I can't do it any other way in his kingdom by his power for his glory 
Yes. Yes. Did we do it? Did we finish? We did. We did. Oh, yay. I'm so happy because I love this so much, you guys. Heartlifters here because this is like a beautiful, it is a model. It's not like a model. It is a model. So I wanted Christy to really uh, give us a little teaching here today, not just a conversation, but we're a teaching community. So we really want to grow and we want to learn and you are a wise teacher. And I'm so happy that you have come to sit at our table today. And this is something that we can rewind and listen and take notes and go, oh, this happens in the C stage, the H stage, the R, the I, the S, and the T. And kind of like you and I have both studied in, or most of us have studied, had a human development class at some point or another. But this is just that model of spiritual development that I do think you have brought to us in such a way that it's so it's so relative and teach. It's easy to digest, I should say. That's our goal. Yeah, it's easy to digest. So thank you for taking your time to walk us through and give us a teaching on that as well. The first half, the second half, what they look like, what happens, and what what is modeled in each of those, because that's really important for us as we journey to our soul. It's very important that we understand there are stages. And we need to be patient with ourselves, not run ahead and not fall behind. And then when we do hit a wall, be able to leap over that wall because of everything we've stored up to that point. So I know you and Bill say a lot that the wall can come at different times. And I wanted to make sure that I clarified that. Just as we're closing, Christy, I would love for you just briefly or however you explain just or share a little bit about your story of hitting your own personal wall and how a do-nothing discipline helps you move through your pain, just briefly. Yeah. When I hit my wall, my compassion fatigue, my, my doubting God's love, what really helped me was to learn to lay down all of the busy activity that I was doing. Oh. A lot going on. I was involved in a lot of ministry in the church. I was involved in discipling uh, junior high students in my home. I was. I had three teenagers myself at home. It was a busy time. Mm-hmm. And I was at full therapy practice. And so needing to learn to really set boundaries in my life, to say no, and to make a spacious place to really be honest before God about what I was feeling. Mm-hmm. I sought out a spiritual director who oh, also was able to help me. It was actually Jane Willard, Dallas Willard's yes. wife. So she was there also encouraging me saying, no, this is a time when God is inviting you to open up and revisit some early wounds in your life. And he's touching some very young parts of you with his healing love. And you need to make space for those, for that healing and to cooperate with that. So I would set aside whole hours, whole periods of five hours at a time in my calendar, a whole day to take, to be alone with the Lord. And one of the spiritual disciplines he led me to do was go to the ocean. And I had to have a wetsuit because we're by the Pacific ocean (laughs) and enter into the ocean to meditate on God's love being oceanic. Because at my wall, it a crisis of not trusting God's love because of all the suffering he allows. So I would go out and push beyond the waves of doubt and fear and get out beyond the waves. And I would float on God's love and meditate through 1 Corinthians 13, 
God, your love for me is patient. Hmm. I don't trust it's patient. Why don't I trust it's patient? Because my parents weren't patient with me. They were impatient with me because school teachers weren't patient with me. They were impatient with me because I'm not patient with myself. I'm impatient. Oh, Christy, it's so vital. To confess my story, my formation, my malformation. And to let the Lord speak to me, say, Lord, show me your love for me is patient. How am I missing it? Where are you showing me your patient love? Being quiet, being still, to let and trust the Holy Spirit to bring some of his grace into those painful experiences where I missed his patient love. And I did that with every attribute of God's love. Wow. Your love for me is kind. Why don't I believe your love for me is kind? Wow. Well, people weren't kind with me. Be honest, I'm not kind with myself. I'm pretty brutal with myself. My expectations are unfair. And I did that with each of the attributes. I made this space of doing nothing. I had to say no, 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 no to everybody's needs for me, which was very hard and was a big step of faith and obedience in order to say, I have needs. Mm, you need I to need say to that again, Christy. You just need to say this again. I'm sorry. This is this is a yeah. very big lean in, friends. Yeah. Christy had to make space. Yeah. To make space. Yep. It mean it meant turning off my phone, mm. my computer. It meant turning away from good things that were filling up my life. Yeah. The best thing to be able to hear God's voice, to be able to open my soul and give him access. But as long as people are there, I'm distracted. I'll orbit around people and yes. I'll, miss, I'll miss God. And that's yes. why I do nothing. I had yeah. to go in this, the empty space, the spacious mm-hmm. where nobody else could reach me. So I scary. Nobody else's voice. It was just God and myself. And I, I like to say that our voice equates understanding our value, our worth, and our dignity. And so... I also feel like in this stage of my journey in Christ, I love that I have this new framework to use, that my voice and God's voice, you know, are, they are to be one. That's John 17. I want them to be one, O-N-E, like you and I are one. You know, the Trinity is one, even though they're three distinct. So Christ in me, the hope of glory, he lives in me. And so if you're wondering today about how to hear God's voice or you know, like Christy, she had to create this space. This is so pivotal. Please hear this today, that it's okay to take some space for yourself so that you can hear your own voice, which I believe reflects God's voice in my life. And there are just so many voices. And so Christy, I respect you so much for honoring God and being obedient by doing that, because that is not easy to do. Well, thankfully, the Lord provided what I needed to do that. I Mm -hmm. I did have some support. I was leaning in and learning from some people who were ahead of me on the journey and taking hope and vision from them. And that was a huge help. But that's what that's what we're here for. That's what you're doing here with Janelle and Lift. Thank you for that. We're calling back. (laughs) We want you to go float somewhere. (laughs) The only time I've ever floated was in Bermuda. I can't float, but I floated in Bermuda. It's the, the salt thing. So Christy, oh my goodness, I I really could just keep going, but thank you, thank you, thank you. I would love for you, before I hop in and close this out, I would love for you to read a beautiful meditative Psalm 23 that you and Bill created for this book and just read that to us so that we we can pretend right now 
that we have just put on our wetsuits. I want to pretend I am on the West Coast because it's so beautiful. And we're floating while we listen. Good. I love it. Yes. I'd love you got your eyes closed just to really let the Lord lead you in this imagery from Psalm 23. The Lord Jesus is my soul shepherd who meets all of my needs and makes me smile. He gets me to stop working and to relax with him in his father's loving arms. He takes me into a quiet place to be still and know that He is God and I am loved. He heals and rejuvenates my whole being with His grace from the inside out. He holds my hands at the crossroads and walks me down into the path of life. Even though I walk through dark and difficult times, I don't fear anything bad because you are with me. You discipline me in love and converse patiently with me to bring out the best in me. You prepare a celebration to bless and honor me right in front of my enemies. You anoint me with your spirit to minister to others out of the overflow of your love to me. I can count on your generous favor and tender mercy coming to me wherever I go, and I will live in the presence of Christ as his beloved in all things at all times. so blessed to have had you here. Christy, please tell everyone, tell us where we can find you. Yes. If you go to soulshepherding.org and you will see when you are there, a little invitation to subscribe to our blog. And if you subscribe to our blog this weekend in the next three days, we will then take all our new subscribers and we will do the drawings for, for the giveaway. We so appreciate being on the journey with you and following Jesus. We love this community here that you've got stronger every day. And Janelle, just your faithfulness to Jesus and, and being a trail angel on the journey. I want to be a travel angel. I really like heart lifter, but I like travel angel. (laughs) So kind of a traveling heart lifting angel. There we go. There you go. Love it. So you heard that here. You've got to subscribe by the weekend. So we're going to give you Sunday till midnight. I don't know. Exactly. And And that'll be midnight Pacific time. (laughs) Midnight Pacific time. That's right. That would be 3 a.m. for us East Coasters. We're going to be asleep, I hope. You have blessed us. May you be blessed. May you just continue to float in oceanic, beautiful waves of God's love for you. So, so much. That's it for today. That was so good. I know we went a little long, but it was worth it. And I want you to remember you, my friends, my heart lifting friends are clothed in strength and dignity with nothing to fear, nothing. And you can smile at your future. Thanks for listening today. It was great having you here. For even more great content and resources, please join the Stronger Everyday online community at JanelleRairdon.com. Always remember, you, my friend, have value, worth, and dignity. Mm-hmm.